You're now listening to the Live Different Podcast with Matt Wilson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Live Different Podcast. I am Matt Wilson, your host today, joined by the legendary Wandering Earl, whose real name actually happens to be Derek. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to call you Derek during the uh, course of this interview, but it seems like your last name happens to be Earl, and that just worked a little bit better for you. Uh, Derek, middle name. Middle name. Your mi- sorry, your middle name. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, your middle <laughs> name. That is what I was trying to uh, pull off. But um, you are one of the top travel bloggers out there, not only in my opinion, but I, I think in terms of traffic and engagement and uh, you know, just having a, a cool community following you and all your travels. You've been doing this since 1999. Uh, <laughs> Picking up odd jobs all over the world, doing affiliate marketing, uh, telling your readers how it really is to travel, and uh, you keep it real, Derek. So that's uh, that's what I appreciate about you, and uh, you have some cool philosophies about travel and about life, and I'm um, looking forward to chatting a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on, and uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to talk. Yeah, you, you got it, and I like uh, I like also your your. Uh, tours that you run, uh, much like myself, I went on a random trip to, to Iceland and I said, well, shit, I want to do this more. Um, <laughs> how can As I, you do. yeah, how can I take this experience that I had that was so meaningful and pa- pay it forward to other people? And uh, it sounds like a lot like what you're doing. Absolutely. That's the similar philosophy where I sort of was traveling, writing about it and readers were sort of saying, oh, that sounds amazing. I would never find that stuff on my own. Could I travel with you next time? And kind of laughed it off a bit. And then one day I was like, well, maybe if I organize something, we can actually uh, actually make it happen. And that's uh, started my first trip to India and kind of took off from there. That's, that's awesome. And it, it sounds like you go uh, to a lot of places that are definitely off the beaten path or places that people, you know, a trip to India, even for me, I've never been, but it would be pretty daunting to just where the hell do you get started? And um, that's been our sweet spot with under 30 experiences and just bringing people together in a a community. Um, But yeah, where where all do you go? I know Mexico and and India and uh, yeah, where else are you going these days? I also do a Romania tour, uh, South Africa, um, a Kyrgyzstan, which is which is a pretty cool one, um, and let's see, Vietnam, and I, I kind of throw in different ones. So I'll also be doing sort of a unique one from Bangkok to Singapore, um, as well. Uh, looking to, I'll be adding a Morocco one quite soon, and uh, I do Istanbul as well from time to time. I kind of mix it up a bit, so they're sort of all all scattered around. I change them uh, each year, but um, yeah, yeah, pretty much open to any of the places that I actually. I've gone myself and, and have had the kind of experience that I want to share. And I'm pretty much, if I went to a new place, say, this year, and I was like, wow, I would love to put together a tour here, then, then I'll go ahead and, uh, and make it happen. That's awesome. Um, how, how do you get people to go to a place like Kyrgyzstan? I'm curious. As I mean, my, the, my theory with this is, first of all, I just, I just have my blog audience. I don't do much advertising. Actually, I don't advertise at all, apart from the blog and, and social media. And the idea is... There are people that want to go to these places, but when you're talking about uh, some of these off-the-beaten um, destinations, people don't know how to even begin the search of finding a way to make it happen. There are people that just, you know, they want they want the tour, something a little bit organized, so they don't have to think, they don't have to put together this whole thing, or they don't know where to begin. 
And the idea is that, you know, there's, I only do 10 people, maximum of 10 people on all my tours. So, you know, there are 10 people out there that are interested in going to sort of unique places. Um, I get a lot of people who actually don't even care about the destination. They just, they want to go somewhere different and they see I put up a Kyrgyzstan tour. They're like, that's cool. That's how they base their travels on is just, I need to go somewhere different. That sounds like somewhere different. Would never have thought of it. I'm going and kind of something like that. So... It, that's pretty cool, Derek. Uh, I was hoping that you could take us a little bit through your story, your never-ending trip to Asia that started in 1999, yeah. and uh, how how you became officially Wandering Earl. Yeah, sure, sure. For um, yeah, the beginning, basically, I graduated university here in the states, and and was pretty pretty certain I was going to uh, get a job in the sort of the sports agency uh, industry, as that was basically what I studied, and. One thing is I promised myself I was going to just take a three-month trip to Southeast Asia be, you know, after graduation before I was uh, kind of getting to the career, and that's what I did. I went over there, but the problem was after, after about a week or so, 10 days, I, I was in Cambodia at Angkor Wat, and just, yeah, I was just blown away. I was like, I couldn't believe the experiences that I had had. I couldn't believe the interesting people that I had met, everything that I had learned in just seven to 10 days, and uh I remember sitting on a wall at, at, the, at the biggest temple over there and just being like, I can't, I can't stop. Like, I, I won't be able to go home after three months if I've learned this much in, in seven to ten days. What could I learn if I did this for a long time? And, you know, I had no idea how to make it happen. I had $1,500 to my name. I had no, at that time, you couldn't really go. This is in 99, so you couldn't really go online and just find hundreds of examples of people doing it. And I just was like, well, I'm going to make a decision. And I made the decision. I was like, I'm not going home. I'm going to see how long I could go. And, you know, the idea was, I guess, in the back of my, my mind, I thought, I probably can make this go for a couple of years or so. And I just, you know, started picking up things, started teaching English in Thailand. And then I, a friend of mine sort of mentioned uh, working on a cruise ship. So I kind of started bouncing around cruise ships for a little bit on and off. And I just kind of was doing whatever I could to, to sort of make some money. And then back in uh, 2009 actually started the blog and then it sort of became its whole a whole whole different thing at that point. Okay, so you had 10 years of travel experience before you even started the blog, is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean I had no idea. A friend of mine, another friend of mine, actually I remember sitting in Mexico, I had just finished cruise ships for good. I was like, I'm done and I was sitting in the uh, town of Sayulita, Mexico and with a friend he was like man i just read about these things called travel blogs and i was like what, what's a travel blog he explained it to me he's like you should do a travel blog i was like all right you know i have nothing else to do so i just put together some crappy site figured it would be for you know the usual family and friends and just started writing nonsense about what i was doing in, in sayulita and and then went from there that that's pretty cool derek uh, i'm curious as to what point your blog went from, uh, you know, from family yeah. and friends to, to how it kind of took off because I know you really, you know, you've even said, I think in your about us or about, about me yep. page, yep. you said, look, I'm a blogger. I'm not even really a travel blogger, but that's what I get called. And you just yep. started writing and people just started discovering really good content. Uh, yeah. Could you tell us how you, how you grew your blog? Yeah, I started. Yeah, I started just writing um, what I was doing down there. And the funny thing was, it was about three months after I posted the first post, where I'll never forget it. I'm actually still in touch with this person. I, it was the first time I received a comment from a non-family member or friend, and it was just this random, random woman. And I was like, okay. I was like, you know, staring at him like this is bizarre. I was like, how does that work? And I, I sent her an email. Thank you for the comment. Blah blah. We actually still have friends today. It's it's nuts. But um, yeah, so I I started thinking. My mind was just like, wow. Well, I don't, I don't know how this person found this blog, 
but if one person found it, maybe I could get a few hundred or a thousand or who knows what, who could find this blog. So I was just like, well, I guess I'll just continue doing what I did. And, and really my focus always from the beginning was on two things. It was creating quality content and, you know, because I really wanted to use my 10 years of experience to help other people travel. That's what I started. In the beginning, of course, I was just writing whatever. But then I started thinking, well, I have all this experience. I need to write about it and, and get it out there so that people can achieve their own travel goals. So I, I made sure the focus was always on content. And then I made sure the focus was always on the community because I loved it. I was like, wow, this blog wouldn't exist if nobody was reading it. So I really appreciated everybody that came to the site, everybody that left a comment or sent an email. I always communicated with all of them, replying to everything and really just wanted to build a community instead of just having a site where people came, read something, and took off and never came back again. So that sort of was always the focus, and it started to pretty much grow uh, in that first year, towards the end of that first year, to pretty decent numbers. And then, you know, then, uh, and basically, so that was at the end of 2009 till 2010. And in 2011 is when I basically got a few big mentions in a few online magazines. Like, a, there was a mention in, in Time uh, on there. As one of the top blogs uh, in the world, was totally, I was like, I was like, well, that's ridiculous because there's 50 million blogs. I don't know who knows how they picked that, but whatever, it helped. And from there, <laughs> it kind of, uh, it kind of, uh, yeah, just kind of started growing pretty quickly at that point. So you know, the first year was kind of lower, but I just stayed focused. That's always been my goal. It still stays the same focus today. It's always on those two things: quality content. If you look at my site, you can see I don't care too much about how it looks, although I am having it redone now. But uh, it's kind of an old school design and, you know, the other stuff I'm not too picky. It's just, you know, quality content and, and making it a, uh, you know, a, a great community where people come and feel comfortable and they want to stay for a while and interact with myself and with other people. And, and that's, that's just always the focus. And I find that uh, if those two things are your focus, then you have a pretty good chance of, uh, of building an audience. That's that's pretty awesome, Derek. The uh, the focus on both community co and content, and yep. we have a, a similar story getting into the tour business uh, because I had a website uh, for entrepreneurs, or or still yep. own it today, uh, called Under Thirty CEO with my co-founder of Under Thirty Experiences, um, Jared, and uh, yeah, we just focused on on putting out quality content that helped young people start businesses and. We just started putting out more and more content and inviting other people to be part of our community and write for us. And they shared it with their friends. And we, yeah. you know, picked up Business Week and MSNBC, you yeah. know, those kind of places. Called us yeah. one of the top blogs for entrepreneurs and yeah. all of that. And yeah, we grew it to. Geez, we had a probably a half a million people reading uh, just yeah. about every month. And you know, then when we said, "What the heck?" You know, we started doing events and meetups and all of yep. this and then I went to Iceland and I was like ah let's start to do some retreat style stuff and right, right, uh, yeah that's how it that's how it all how it all started um, so that's that's cool I uh, I'm yeah, glad I that we can share that similar story absolutely I think people underestimate that I mean you can do whatever you want with the, with any website but if it's you know without that quality content it's not going to happen and these days if you do put up some quality content you know, it makes your site stand out amongst the millions of others as millions more every month that are, that are popping up there in every single uh, industry or, or niche. But uh, if you stick with quality, can't go wrong. Now, that's, uh, that's really cool, Derek. Um, I wanted to ask you, of course, about a story you've probably told a hundred mm -hmm. times over, but the time that you got kidnapped. And yeah. uh, <laughs> could you take us down that path uh, for a second? Yeah, sure, sure. Just... Uh, yeah, I was basically flying from uh, Bangkok to Dhaka, Bangladesh, 
and uh, the flight was quite late, supposed to leave in the afternoon, arrive in the afternoon, ended up leaving at night, and um, pretty much anything at the time, uh, if you read any guidebook or anything, would say if you arrive in Bangladesh after sunset, stay in the airport until sunrise, and then go get a taxi. So my flight arrived pretty late around midnight, and yeah, of course, I ignored that and uh, went outside where the soldier had to unlock the gate of the airport to let me out, and I went out, and it was sort of this big crowd of taxi drivers saw me, came up to me, just basically they started arguing amongst themselves as to who was going to uh, take me to my destination, and it was pretty funny, and eventually I just picked one guy who spoke a little bit of English. We walk across the car park, uh, he puts me in the car with my bag, and next thing I know, uh, five guys get into the car, and they lock the doors, and I'm sitting in the back seat in the middle. And um, I was like, okay, this is kind of odd. But uh, I told them where we wanted to go, and they basically said, nope, we're not taking you there. And uh, we stopped at a petrol station, filled up. They forced me to uh, pay, pay for that. I was like, okay, whatever. Maybe some local, local rules here. We'll, we'll, we'll go with it. And uh, then they drove me into sort of uh, one of the biggest slum areas of Dhaka, where they knocked on this metal door which opened just about a few feet off the ground. I went under, and basically they locked me into a room. There was just this random room, and uh, they locked me into a room, and I stayed there. They kept somebody out front keeping guard. I had no idea what was going on, but they didn't take any of my stuff. They kind of kept asking me for money. Um, I gave them a little money, but I didn't give. I was just like, well, I'm not giving you more money. I they weren't armed. They were very amateur, so I was like trying to figure out this whole situation. I went to sleep that night. The next morning, they took me out and basically spent uh, a couple days taking me to ATMs all over the city and trying to get me to take money out of the ATM. But I would just type in the wrong PIN number and just say, sorry, it didn't work. And uh, they took me to a couple other places to stay as well. They moved me to another building at one point. It was kind of funny. After the first day, I was basically like, uh, well, these guys are harmless, very amateur. Uh, no weapons. They were. They didn't even take my lap, my laptop or my camera. Nothing. They didn't even. They didn't even. They didn't even take the money off me. They just asked me for money. Um, and basically, it went on for for a few days. And basically, on the third day, after coming back from another failed attempt at the ATM, they said, "We're moving you somewhere else. Go get your bag." So I went upstairs, grabbed my bag, and on the way down, on the second floor, there was sort of. A, I could see down the hallway. There was like a sort of like an emergency, like a fire exit kind of thing. So I just ran down the exit, down the stairs, one floor to the step, to the street, jumped in a rickshaw, and, uh, yeah, basically took off. And that was the end of that one. So, <laughs> And were you, I mean, you don't seem like you were all too bothered or, or necessarily scared or uh, uh, even the way that you wrote about it was just very nonchalant. Yeah, I got kidnapped and... Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a pretty relaxed guy. <laughs> <laughs> that, you could say that. And after I, I was thinking immediately, I was like, after the first night, even the first night when I was like in the room, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like if they knew what they were doing, they would have just taken all my stuff. Like why? This, this makes no sense whatsoever. So I realized there was, again, no weapons, no, no forceful taking of any of my belongings or money. I mean, I had my wallet on me, and they just asked me for money, which was ridiculous. And we negotiated. In the end, I gave some money. In the end, I lost, like, I don't know what it was, 100, 200 bucks or something. That was it. I still kept the rest. And, like, it was, it was just absurd. So after that first night, I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I'm just going to go with it, see what happens. Like, these people are pretty harmless. And, uh, yeah, so I was just, yeah, I wasn't, too, I wasn't too bothered, to be honest. Just once I saw that there was no, no knives, no guns, anything like that, I think... Uh, put me at ease <laughs> that's uh yeah that'll definitely put your mind at ease but most people held in 
in uh, captivity, I guess, would be a little more nervous than that. But that's uh, that's a, a pretty cool story, um, Derek. You, you wrote about uh, your robot-like approach, and yep. that nothing really seems to surprise you. I don't even know if you referenced the time that you got kidnapped in that article. Yeah, I don't think I do actually. <laughs> but uh, you know, as you as you begin to travel, you kind of experience start to experience or as you have you as you have traveled for a long time you start to experience kind of this uh i don't know some people describe it as you start to become numb to it other people mm -hmm. are just really just take it in and you know you don't yeah. have those extreme highs and extreme lows but I, i'm yeah. curious as to your take uh, on the subject yeah i mean i think the extreme highs and extreme lows are still po very possible i think for me um it's about, it's about adapting. So I know how travel works now. I know, I know how to sort of carry myself in order to seem like I fit in to a certain extent as much as you can, which does bring some benefits as opposed to looking like the lost traveler wandering around clueless and not sure what they're doing. So I think it's just sort of like a survival instinct where as soon as I arrive somehow I can sort of very quickly scan and, and get a feel for the place and know exactly how I need to act, behave, and I kind of now just have this, I guess, long-term traveler's look or approach where even if I'm completely lost and have no idea what I'm doing, nobody would really notice. So I kind of, people would pass me by and not kind of come up to me, whether it's to possibly try a scam or just, to, just for anything. I mean, even just to get a local fare in the taxi. I mean, nobody, kind of, nobody even really tries that with me anymore to, to try and give me some crazy fare or something like that, just because it's sort of about the way you carry yourself and make it seem like you know, know what you're doing. Um, so there's sort of that aspect of it. As far as the highs lows, yes, they do exist. But I will say, yeah, when you see a lot of something, then of course, it, and you kind of, or you have the same kind of experience over and over again, of course, it becomes harder to, to sort of, um, you know, fully excite you in, in that same way that it does the first time that you, that you see or do something. Um, so there is that aspect. But at the same time, the more older I get, the more I travel, Sort of the reason why I travel is a little bit different. I'm not look necessarily looking for those amazing moments all the time. It's more about really getting a little bit deeper now into the culture, sort of meeting people, making friends, really trying to understand a country beyond the beautiful sights or beyond the cool experiences that you can have. So at the same time, I'm not necessarily looking for those extreme highs in terms of, you know, being wowed and, and, and awed everywhere I go. What I'm looking for is something different. And that's uh, so it kind of all fits together in the end. Uh, that's that's really interesting to hear, Derek, and just your progression as a as a traveler. Um, and, and I can certainly relate to a lot of things that you said because I remember, you know, I've been traveling for four years, uh, yep. not really on and off, pretty much full time. Um, yep. But you know, at, at first you have that excitement, of course, right? Like I got rid of my New York City apartment, and I have this mm -hmm. image of. Uh, me literally putting the, the mattress in the elevator and they're like, what do you want to do with it? And I was like, well, throw it out. Nobody else yep. is going to want to sleep on that thing. So uh, and the guys were like, really, where, where are you going? I, you know, and I told the, the uh, guys and they were like, oh, okay, have fun. And, you know, yep. I'd, I'd meet people and I, people would ask like, oh, uh, where do you live? And, uh, you know, I'd say, oh, I'm homeless. Like, you right. know, when you're really like in that first digital nomad state. And of course, you know, this was, you were doing this 10 years before, ten, yeah, you were doing this 10 years, at least 10 years before I was, yep. um, where that 
four-hour work week mentality and all that wasn't, you couldn't find hundreds of people doing this or run right. into right. people who had been traveling perpetually for years. And uh, it was kind of like a new exclusive club and people were like, oh, um, and then your writing style kind of changes and then how you, because you change, how, the, how you present yourself changes. It yep. doesn't seem so novel anymore to, to you or I. And then, you know, it seems like yourself, you've tried to get even more off the beaten path and do your own yep. thing. Um, w w yeah, would you agree with that sentiment? Absolutely. And I think, I think one of the important things for someone who's traveling long term or pretty much doing anything long term, I mean, you need to stop. I, I make sure that I stop quite often, several times per year, and really evaluate what I'm doing in terms of work, travel, every aspect of my life, relationships, and basically see if that's what I really want to be doing or if it fits what I want or what I need at that moment in life. Because I think it's very important that to understand and to realize that things change. You need to adjust accordingly. You know, that's why I don't travel the same way that I did when I was younger. Because life, you know, you get older, life changes and things change. The things that you want out of out of every experience change. So I think I think it's important to constantly evaluate so that you can can make those adjustments. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that helps that helps a great, you know, a huge amount to, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or even the hostile scene yeah. uh, at this point, you know, if you're fr and I highly recommend anybody who's listening who wants to go out and travel is to do yeah. the ho hostile thing and, course, yeah. you know, backpack and go from place to place every, every three days or however you yeah. want to do it, um, which is a great, you know, it's a great experience. But now yeah. me thinking of doing that is, is exhausting. So, like, yeah, I don't want to move my, I want to sleep in a different bed all the time. I want to yeah. go to a place and really get to, to know it. Is that how you feel as well, Derek? Absolutely. That's exactly how I feel now. It's just you just have a different mentality. I mean, the good thing is, is that there's millions of ways to travel. And that's the idea is that you try out different things. Some you might you might like the backpacking for a while. You might not like it. You might like it for a week and be like, I'm done with that style and kind of move on. And I think, yeah, for me, I did the backpacking. And over time, a long time, I sort of slowed down to reach that similar point as you where it's, you know, I need that sort of central base. I need to wake up and sort of in the same bed every now and then just so that I, it, you know, you just kind of have that little stability. It helps with work, especially if you're working online to have some kind of sort of central focus and to, you know, to go to the same cafes to work, to have your group of friends in the same place and to just have some familiarity. It helps your brain sort of uh, not have to worry about all those other things you need to worry about when you're constantly bouncing around and it helps you focus and be more effective with work. Um, so there's different aspects of it, and that's that's exactly where I am. Is that I, I like to have sort of a central base where I can I can get that stability and uh, familiarity, and then I kind of still branch off and go to some off the beaten places and just kind of do my own thing for a little bit, knowing that I can come back to that base and and I, I can get right back into things uh, again. That that to me is. Uh, yeah, a great way to do it, at least for me, what I need at this at this stage. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or having a place where you can take day trips. You know, you have an apartment yep. for, for yep. cheap, and then you can go and take day trips or, or even a trip for a week or, or somewhere that's nicely centrally located. You know, for me in Costa Rica, yep. yeah, I go up to Nicaragua all the time. I got to yep. go to Colombia. It was a short flight away. There's tons yep. of stuff to explore around Costa Rica. Absolutely. And there's types no, of things that I like to do. Absolutely. That thing, you just have to match it to what you want. That's one of the main reasons why I was using Romania as my base for like the last three years or so was because for if I had a weekend, I could easily get to anywhere in the country, go to the mountains, go to the seaside, go to some old medieval village, and just, you know, you could have an amazing experience. You could go over to Serbia, you could go to, uh, 
Bulgaria, Istanbul, all these places that you can just get away for a short time and come back and still still be in that. So you don't feel like you're out there all scattered around. You need to carry all your stuff with you and you you don't know where you're going to stay. You don't know all this stuff. So it just, again, yeah, it, it, it sort of brings a whole new aspect to, that, to it. That's, uh, yeah, that, that's interesting. And it's a good segue kind of into the next question that I wanted to ask you was, which was, what is your definition of home? Uh, that's a tough one. I mean, basically, if people say, like, where am I from? You have people where, oh, I'm where my backpack is and stuff like that. I mean, for, for me, I'm always like, I'm from the U.S. I mean, I grew up here. I'm from the U.S. Even though I have spent not that much time in the last 15 years, I always say I'm still from the U.S. As far as home, that's a tough one. I mean, just the idea of home, uh, that can be anywhere. I mean, it can be anywhere you're comfortable with. Um, the interesting thing for me, which I noticed this sort of split. Some people might agree. A lot of people wouldn't. But I think, again, it's just a personal thing. Um, for me, even if I'm somewhere, for example, I was in Romania in Bucharest for three years. A lot of friends there, very familiar. I, I mean, it was like it was as close as it could be to home. At the same time, for me, I always am conscious of the idea that I'm still an outsider no matter where I am, which is I, I find interesting. I've just sort of made this realization recently. So I can't say that it's 100% my home somewhere else just because there's certain cultural aspects, political, just different things, legal, that you're just not fully aware of so that you can't be fully comfortable. This is just in my experience. So I love the place, and I, I absolutely, it basically was a home for three years, but I can't, it was, it was easier to walk away from than I thought in the end, just because there is so, sort of always going to be a little bit of a disconnect. And um, I found that to be very interesting, and I've sort of been, uh, been thinking about that lately. So for me, home generally can be anywhere, but I always just say home is in the U.S. just because the only place that I know that I'm 100% could just show up and I know the rules, I know the full culture, I know how everything, uh, how everything runs. That's, that's interesting to hear. Yeah, I, I feel more and more uh, for yeah. myself that Costa Rica is like home, but mm -hmm. I speak the local language, language and there's enough, gringo, you know, there's enough gringos hanging around yeah, where it kind of kinda yeah. feels like home. There's still you know, the business owners in town, of course. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of local business owners, but there's enough people. I'm, it's not like I'm living in Romania. And, uh, yeah. and it's a cult for me. It's a culture that, well, I kind of grew up. Um, I'm not yeah. Hispanic, but I, at least in the United States, we have enough Hispanic culture where we kind of know what to expect more yeah. or less. But I totally hear you about yeah. some of the, the laws and the, uh, but yeah, Romania, that must be completely completely out of most people's comfort zone, would you say? Uh, yeah, it's a different place. I mean, it's basically more so, I mean, if you show up, you think you're in Western Europe, you think, I mean, it's very comfortable thing. I think, you know, you have to take into account this is, you know, the other aspect that there's a whole, the whole history of a country. I mean, there, there, there's a mentality there that's, that, uh, you know, that is complete, I would say, it's, it's very different from the mentality that I grew up with, obviously being in the U.S., it's very optimistic culture. Uh, in Romania or Eastern Europe in general, you find a little bit more pessimistic due to sort of their, their history. Um, and as a result, something like that makes it made it a little bit difficult to, you know, to kind of maintain my motivation and things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. It's a great, it's a great place, but it was, uh, yeah, it's definitely, there's definitely challenges anywhere and, and everybody finds their own place. That's the thing. You found Costa Rica, Somebody can show up in any country and, and, and be like, this is it. This is the home. I just got back from the Philippines. I mean, there's plenty of foreigners over there who are like, I'm here and I'm never leaving. They're like, I am so comfortable here. This is, this is I'm more comfortable here than I was at home. Like, literally, home, home. So, you know, it's, everybody finds their place at some point, and uh, hopefully. And, uh, yeah, you never know. 
No, that's uh, that's really that's really interesting to hear the the perspective between a you know Central American country and an Eastern European country and a Southeast Asian country, et cetera. And I always like to say that it my home is where my habits are and when mm -hmm. I can get into my routine and there's things, even though I don't have many possessions, there are things that I have that make my life a lot easier. And a lot of times those aren't even physical things. These are right. just things that I, things that I do maybe, or my morning routine, or if I can get a good cup of coffee, well then my day starts off right. Uh, but if I'm not somewhere, if I can't yep. get a good cup of coffee in the morning, sometimes I could be really thrown. Uh, right, right. Yep. But yep. you've written a lot about your habits um, on on your blog, and a lot of them are just kind of funny, quirky ones, of <laughs> course. Um, but could you could you highlight maybe a few that make you uh, a successful long-term traveler and uh, business person as well? Yeah, sure. I think I think one of the habits that I picked up is basically not rushing into things. So, one of the posts I wrote that's one of the more popular posts is about how whenever I land in a new place, say at the airport, the first thing I do once I get my luggage is I sit down at like a cafe in the airport for like 20 minutes. I don't go outside and try to get the tra get transportation. I don't try to figure out what's going on because that what happens is is you get there, you're you're a little bit flustered. You're like, okay, how do I get into the city? How do I, you know, even if you've looked it up online, it's like, okay, where is that shuttle bus? Where is the taxi stand? Are these people real? Is that is this a scam? Is that not a scam? And what happens is you kind of just want to get through that stage so quickly that you think, I just let me just get out, and you start making bad decisions, just thinking, I just need to get into the city, and you start making bad decisions. And just to get through that stage. But my theory is it's better to just stop, just stop. And whether this is with business or with travel or with many, many things in life, just stop, sit down and relax for a few minutes. Let your brain kind of calm down. Look around you. Talk to a couple people around you. Get some information. You know, just kind of assess the situation. And then when you have some information and a calm, calm mind, then you can make good decisions uh, that are going to, you know, ensure that you don't get, end up in some you know, negative situation. And I think that's one of the things that I started doing way back, you know, in travel in early times of traveling and whether I show up at a train station, a, a bus station, an airport, whatever it is. And uh, same again, same with business where I'll, if I'm about to start something new and it sounds like a great idea, I'm not going to rush into anything. I stop, think about it, talk to some people, kind of take my time, get more information and then make a decision as to how to proceed. So I think that's, that's one of the main ones that I definitely feel is, uh, has uh, has helped me in, in pretty much every aspect of life. Nice, Derek. That's uh, those are definitely some good uh, tips. I, I wanted to ask you about a uh, something that you wrote on your blog called your list of memorable life experiences, and yep. uh, they were actual moments that act, that happened to you. And I was wondering if you could explain uh, to our listeners a little bit about why you have this practice and maybe you've done it only once or I, I'm guessing that maybe you do it every so often if you like to sit and reflect and ask yourself why am I doing this and, and have that check-in uh, but could you uh, yeah. could you tell our listeners about that a little bit? Sure I mean I do do it decent amount whether it's a mental list or I actually write it down um, I think one of the things one of the main reasons I do is because it's very easy to start thinking like you know, to get down, I mean, these days in life, everybody gets depressed, gets down, you know, you kind of, you know, have your rough moments, of course. But the idea with this is to, if you take the moment to actually focus on what you're doing, 
you'll very quickly see that you'll find the, you know, the, the joy or the excitement in all these small things that you did that normally you might have done quickly and not even paid attention to it. You might have done and then forgotten about. And you kind of making this list kind of shows, wow, look at these things that I have done. I have been, you know, living as a pretty, you know, fulfilling life. And, and I've been doing things that, that fit exactly the kind of interest that I have. And, and it just makes me realize that, you know, is, you know, not to get upset and to remember how lucky I am and how fortunate I am to have done all these things that I have done. And, and you know, if you look at the list, not all of them are, some of them are, seem like big things, but some of them are pretty simple stuff. And the idea is that, you know, just, you can find, you know, you can find happiness in, in lots of little things. And, and it's, yeah, just a way to remind myself that, like, all right, be, you know, definitely be happy with, with how things are going and, and uh, be satisfied with, with what I've been doing over the years. It's, it, it just sort of helps when I, when I may be feeling down or kind of hit a, a rut for a little bit which which is bound to happen when you especially when you're traveling long term so it's a you know it's just something good to to reflect on and kind of keep it updated as as you go along sure yeah the reflection can be can be so important so that you can continue to ask yourself why am yeah. i doing this what what am i doing this for and Absolutely. uh you, you had written once that every human feels lost at some point yeah. and uh can you could you talk a lot a little bit about what you what you meant by that yeah i mean basically there's always going to come a time or if it's one time you're lucky I mean, multiple times in life obviously we just kind of suddenly wake up and are like what am i doing this isn't what i wanted to do or is this what i wanted to do or this is what i should be doing why didn't i do that now it's too late i mean you just obviously all those questions sit i mean and it happens multiple times it happens all the time and and i think um you know, the main thing with that is I, th I think you have to admit that it happens and it's okay that it happens. And again, that goes back to what I was saying before about having to constantly reassess your situation and what you're doing. Because if you are feeling lost, you need to know that you're lost. You need to, you need to sort of examine why, what's missing, or what are you doing wrong, and, and basically try to make the necessary adjustments to get back on the, on the path that you, that you want to be on. So I think, you know, it kind of all comes back to this, you know, reflection and, and uh, reassessing your situation as often as you can in order to just make sure that you are doing things because it's very easy these days to sort of do something that you think you should be should be doing or think you have to be doing or you wanted to do it and you're doing it but then you never stop and then like well now I actually wanted to go this way and you just kind of keep going in one direction and suddenly many years down the road wake up and be like what the heck have I been doing for the last few years I, that was cool in the beginning but now it's I don't enjoy it at all and and you know, I, I lost my way. So, I mean, again, it just comes down to that reflection and, and reassessing your situation, your life as, as often as you can and, and making sure you're as close to the, to the path you want to be on uh, as possible. No, sounds, sounds like a good idea uh, to me, Derek. And I appreciate how you always mention the little things to your blog readers. And you kind of have this quirky writing voice, like the things that you think in in your head, which most people never share to anybody else, maybe just to a good friend uh, who knows that you're gonna, you know, that you know when your best friend is gonna get your, your humor or this quirky yeah. little thing. Well, I really, I really admire your writing style because you say those things and thousands of people read that read them and actually do understand it and really do get it um and yep. you know that that makes up for some really good writing and uh and furthermore you go on you didn't just name bucket list experiences mm -hmm. you didn't just say snorkel the great barrier yep. reef and swim with sharks in belize right. and jump yep. off a waterfall in iceland well those are great 
bucket list experiences, right? Most uh, most travel bloggers, they they're. Uh, you know, about me page sounds like their travel resume, which yep. you actually put a real human element into into your writing and into your blog, which I think everybody, you know, and, and you're vulnerable at times, et cetera. Yep. Uh, could, you, could you tell us a, a couple of your actual memorable experiences and how you learned to appreciate the little things? Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, oh, man, there's many. Let me see. Let's... Uh... I mean, uh, let me just, I'm trying to think of a couple off the top of my head. There you go. No, I mean, even simple stuff as uh, going, you know, when I would take a road trip around Romania, for example, I would drive around and, and yeah, you see amazing things all the time. But for me, actually, the most, some of the most memorable experiences, it could be in India, it could be in Romania, it could be anywhere, where I look out the window, make eye contact with somebody, and we both just smile, or maybe we just wave to each other. Because for me... Yeah, okay, so most people would have that experience and just be like, whatever, and, and not think about it. But if I'm thinking about it, I'm like, you know, it's just amazing to me to be able to connect even for a second with somebody who I would never have even known existed had I not traveled. So that's one little thing that I, I really appreciate with travel and that I focus on quite a lot just because, obviously, you can meet people everywhere you go and you can have little tiny connections with people everywhere you go as well. And uh, that's one thing that I appreciate and that sort of fuels my travels even these days is knowing that I can always have those little connections that I otherwise could not have. And it, it's, you know, to me, it's something, something quite special. Um, and let's see. So another example would be, yeah, just simple, even just simple, like that you don't need too much to, to enjoy life. I mean, some of the, if I made a list of like the, you know, the most amazing places that I've been or even that, they're probably going to be are definitely going to be some of the most simplest places where people are living in the most simplest lives possible. And uh, again, it's about appreciating what you have and appreciating life in general. And it doesn't need to be this grand experience. It doesn't need to be this, you know, grand activity that you need to do. It's just observing life around you wherever you go and realize, and if you do that and you find the beauty and, and you appreciate all these little things that are happening, then you can appreciate almost every day because these little things are happening all around us at, at all at all times. And and I think, I, I mean, to come down to it, basically for me, it's about the, about meeting people. This is about my travels. The, seeing all the sites are great, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't be traveling if I if if it was all about the sites. Still, I, I wouldn't be traveling. Still, for me, it's about meeting people. It's about interacting with them, you know, learning from them. And and again, even if it's just a handshake and a smile, there's something special about that. And it's about the littlest thing you could possibly do. It's just a handshake or a smile. But uh, to me, that's the most important aspect of travel. And you can drop me off in any country in the world, and I know I can smile at people and wave and have little tiny conversations with people, and that's why I'd be happy going anywhere. Absolutely. And in a world where everyone's looking for the next, uh, the next Instagram post that's going to get them 100 likes, yeah. uh, the, the authenticity is, uh, it is really great to hear. And you know, usually when you go to these sites, sure, if you were to go and visit the seven wonders of the world or, or just take you know, the Eiffel, something as simple as the Eiffel Tower, sure, yeah. everybody's got to see it. And it's a really yeah. special place, of course, right? But you're probably just going there to snap the picture and to right. check that off your mental checklist or your bucket list. Right. But when you're wandering down uh, the back streets, uh, you know, the back alleys in, in Paris, or actually one of my favorite uh, Paris examples is going up and showing up and playing basketball 
basketball mm-hmm. with these Parisian kids, and I'd go do that a, a few times a week, and I started to learn my my French, and yep. uh, I noticed how how many fouls they like to call, and uh, you know, just all those those little things are what you really appreciate yeah, during travel because not every especially if you're going to do it long term because you're not looking at the Eiffel Tower every day of course no of course and at the end of the day yeah I can remember going to the Eiffel Tower vaguely I mean I can remember when I was there I can remember it it was beautiful I had a great time but I can instantly off the top of my head remember exactly what the people look like at the cafe that I sat to and talked to them at the next table and the conversation that we had there I mean that will be etched in my in my brain a lot more clearly uh, than, you know, than visiting the Eiffel Tower, which was great. But, but at the same time, it's just those connections with people that, at least for me, are, are the most rewarding and, and that I truly appreciate the most out of, out of every destination that I go to. Yeah, and I, I think for anybody listening, if uh, they are fortunate enough to live uh, back at home in a cosmopolitan city uh, yep. like New York, which I've spent so much time just yep. dogging on because that's what I feel like I escaped. Some of my favorite moments, absolutely my favorite moments in yeah. New York, were just talking to people who were from different places and yep. sitting down. And, uh, you know, this was before I even really knew Spanish very well, but just yep. I can remember sitting in the Lower East Side, just blocks from my apartment and just chat, trying to chat in Spanish with some people from Spain and showing yep. them pictures of, you know, my stepbrother who was on a trip over yep. there uh, hiking El Camino and just having those little interactions. Yeah, I can absolutely remember those kind of moments. And uh, Yeah, man. Yeah, okay, I, I always tell cool, people. But... Oh, sorry. No, nah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I always tell people the one tool that you need uh, to travel the world is the ability to say hello. That's it. You can say hello, you're, you're set. That's it. You just turn to someone, say hello, and that's, that's where the rewarding experiences come from. Derek, that is awesome advice. Uh, you can be found at wanderingearl.com and wanderingearltours.com. Is there anything you'd like to leave uh, the readers with as far as, uh, as far as advice if they want to go out and uh, achieve their goals, whether it's long-term uh, travel or whether it's not? Hello? Yeah, you still there? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm here. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point right there is that, you know, the idea is to not fall into the trap where you think you have to travel in some way. You have to do this. You, you read about how somebody else travels and, oh, I need to do that. That's how everyone's doing it. I got to do this. No, you have to just, you really have to focus on what you want, why you would want to travel, where you want to go. If you closed your eyes right now and thought of the world, what place jumps out at you personally, not where some, you know, blogger or somebody else says you should go. You know, I kind of, I, I think you have to, people have to remember that it's, it's your own journey and you'll be, you'll have the most rewarding experience if you actually focus on what, what you really want to get out of travel and, and understand that there are no rules. There's no right way to do it. You don't have to backpack around the world for a year straight. You don't have to go live in two countries and change every six months. You don't have to, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do and uh, find out what your true travel goals are and remember that you can achieve it whatever you know, no matter what it is and use other people's examples to get information and to get ideas and to, you know, to gain some knowledge that will help you when, you know, wherever you go and whatever you do. But always remember that there are no rules and there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. Um, it's your own journey. And uh, if you stay determined and stay focused on your goals, and there's no reason at all why you, uh, why you can't achieve them in the end. That's for sure. 
Derek, I'm looking forward to following your advice and travels on wanderingearl.com. And uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. Hey, did you like today's episode? If you did, log on to iTunes and leave us a review. It would really help us out. We try to put out good, free content all of the time. Check out the show notes on under30co.com. Send the podcast to a friend who could use some of the advice. And of course, if you want to travel with us, check out under30experiences.com and 50% off Athletic Greens on the show notes. Thanks for listening.